Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights, episode with Keith Hauer, longtime friend, formerly at Beckett Publications when I was there for 12 years, and now has been at Panini for 12 years, which is amazing. Time really flies. So Keith's the basketball brand manager there, does a great job, and answered a bunch of questions that I've heard, <laughs> and we had a good time for about an hour. But this is the first part of our conversation, which is mostly his origin story. And then later on, we did a Dueling Questions episode, which was even more fun for me because guys that have known me over the years ask different kinds of questions than people who do not know me. Thanks, Keith, for your candor. And thanks, Panini, for providing that nice home for Keith and many of my other friends. Thanks also, Upper Deck and Tops, as well as Heritage Auctions, Hugs and Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Rating, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Keith. And here's our conversation. Keith, give us a little bit of background and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. In terms of where I'm at now, it's a dream. I grew up a big collector up in the Northeast. I would say they were a little bit more card savvy up there. I moved to Texas in the late 80s which was the perfect time because a whole bunch of card shops started opening up here. I'm sure I've run into my coworkers dozens of times before I even knew they were going to be my coworkers one day. I worked at a card shop all through high school and college. And then afterwards, I started with you at Beckett Publications, spent 12 years there doing the basketball price guide. And now I have been at Panini as a basketball brand manager for the last 12 years. So in the hobby for 30 years now, you're more than just basketball. That might be your primary love, but what other things did you do for our company and for Panini? When we first started at the data publishing department there at Beckett, each guy worked on three sports. Basketball wasn't one of them. I was like football, baseball, and hockey when I started over there. And a position opened up on the basketball team, and I've been reverse engineering and analyzing basketball sales for the past almost 25 years now. So that's become my focus. At Panini, have they tapped into these other sports? Do you give perspective on football or baseball products? Yeah, one of the things I think we do very well here is that we try to talk with everybody because we all do a lot of the same brands. There are some sports-specific brands that only we only do basketball or they only do in football. But when we start building a product, we have a big whiteboard. And we try to get at least somebody from each other team that has built that program before that has worked on it. For multiple reasons. Number one is the more people in the room, the more ideas you have. That always helps out. The other is to make sure that we're not straying too far away from what the brand is supposed to be. We want there to be continuity between the sports. It doesn't have to be exact, but we like to speak with everybody else and make sure that we're all staying on the same path. You don't have to mention any names because I don't want to get into that. <laughs> when you have these whiteboard sessions, like when we did it in our company back in the day, there usually was one person in the room that had some negativity. That won't work, or I don't know about that. Do you have anybody like that at Panini? Because I think I know who it was at our company. I don't know that I would say negativity. I think it's more sharing the experience. There are certain things we've tried that just don't work. And I don't think per se you're telling somebody not to do it. You're just sharing the experience. Hey, we went forward with this, and here's what happened. Either it was a headache, the printer couldn't get the technology right, or didn't have the technology. That's an issue sometimes now too, but I, I think it's more of an open discussion, dialogue, and then sharing the experience. It's not just Panini, Tops, Upper Deck. All of them have quality control issues. But what I think many people in the social media world and just at a show, when you hear people talking, when they're critical of a big card company about quality control issues, 
what frequently they're talking about, I think more than half the time, is a problem that happened at the printer. There's nothing wrong with the design of the product, and there's nothing wrong with the graphic execution of the card. But in the application at printers, it's outsourced in many cases, and there's a switcheroo where something doesn't get where it's supposed to get. I guess you could blame the card company because ultimately it's their product. But I just know when we were printing magazines, we didn't print in-house. We gave materials to the printer. It's possible that they could have gotten something upside down or messed it up. How do you guys handle that? We had a production manager that would do press checks, but it'd have to be a sample. You can't like hover over every time any kind of game used material or autograph is married up with a certain card. So how do you say, hey, we're not going to let that happen anymore? You can't say, hey, it's not our fault because it's under the brand. But the printers are overworked and have more than they can handle. You'll have some issues, certainly, when you're running that many sheets, especially for a base brand product like Hoops or something. You're talking about running tens of thousands of sheets. At some point, something's not going to go right. Now, that said, there are things we can do to control that in terms of the way we plan to build the cards themselves. The main thing to keep in mind is that the more processes you put on the card, the more coatings, the more foil stamping, the more everything else, that's that many more machines it's got to go through. And each time it goes through another machine, you're risking some sort of damage. But I'll take you one further. One thing that a lot of people don't realize is on-card autographs are a double-edged sword because you've got to get the cards printed at the printer. They package them up. They ship them here to us. We have people here that open them up count the cards, inventory everything, re-put it in boxes, ship it to the athlete. Then the athlete unboxes the cards and signs them, boxes them back up, sends them, same thing. We open them up, inventory them, put them in a box again and send them to the printer. So you're talking about to get packed out five times, five to 10 times they're touched before they even reach the pack. And there's the pack out process too. And it's amazing to me sometimes to look back and see that there are gem mint autograph cards out there because those things are well-traveled by the time they get into the packs. I'm really saying this in a very facetious way, but it just makes you think, wouldn't it be nice if all autographs were stickered? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm going to go with a no joking. comment on that one, I'm Dr. completely Beckett. joking, but I'm saying, but you can see it is a lot simpler. It Lots. really is. And it solves a lot of issues too, because the cards don't print overnight. When you're coming into the season early, And these guys have just gone through the draft and summer league. First of all, there's no photography available to even build those cards and run them. So yeah, that's why if you look at the way we've structured our release year, there's a lot of stickers up front. And then it moves towards the end of the year where you have the national treasures, the immaculates, the flawless, the eminence. Those are all on card because they're the end of the year. It takes a minimum of eight to 10 weeks to get Uh, those cards out and back. Those are high-end products, but you have to be careful what you wish for because if there was some kind of a czar of the industry that said no more sticker autographs, that would actually be a bad thing. So what you're pointing out is that Panini representatively, all the companies I think are probably doing this, is they're making a business decision that I think is good for the industry. Clearly, an on-card autograph is preferred. Absolutely. Valued higher, but there's some other considerations. Yeah. And the most important one being the timing. You wouldn't have any early season products with autographs in them if we didn't have the ability to use stickers. I think if anybody who's opened up hoops, we always do one on-card autograph there. It's like the hoops tribute cards where we pair up the rookies with 
either other rookies or we've done Luka Doncic before, we've done Kevin Durant before, we've paired him with those guys. Those are all on card and they're redemptions every year because you just don't have time to get them in the product that early. Same point. Be careful what you wish for. Say, I don't want any more redemptions. Redemptions are a big problem. But if you didn't have redemptions, I think use sparingly as you're saying, redemptions can be good. Otherwise, that's a really key element of the product that you can't go for. Now, obviously, if you've got a box that's five years old, the redemption may be expired. But again, that just encourages people to open them up, get into the product and send in for these redemptions. And then you got the problem where some of the things where there's a redemption for it, maybe it doesn't exist, Keith. Yeah, I think there's no sympathy. Think corporately, because I used to be a boss. I think that you've got a lot of people working for you. They're trying to do a good job, but the world we live in, mistakes are made and players don't sign their stuff. Uh, yep. It's tough. I can't really go into exact numbers, but when you're talking about a, a set that's all on card autographs, you've got to change the way you plan it because you have to account for some of those autographs not coming back because they're not all going to they never do if you're not doing stickers you're never going to be at 100 percent fulfillment so it really changes the way we start from the very beginning in our planning process because hopefully you get to the end and you've gotten back more than you expected and you're able to cut out those redemptions on the back end because you have some space but a lot of times we're going right up to our autograph cutoff sending stuff over for pack out because for whatever reason, some of the guys just don't get around to signing their stuff. And that's part of the deal. You've got to do your best to account for it. But at the end of the day, you're still relying on somebody else. Do you get involved in that in the basketball area? Or is that other people following up on that with the players? It's mostly other people. But as a matter of fact, I just got back from LA on Friday and we went out to help the football team. The NFLPA has the collegiate bowl in Los Angeles and they bring in all the players that are going to get drafted in the following year's draft but they also bring in all of the current rookie class and we'll we'll peg a couple guys that have maybe fallen behind because their seasons went longer or they made the playoffs and they just didn't have time to sign their stuff. So we'll ship all the stuff out to a hotel there, get them all in a room together and sit down. So I spent most of last week sitting down with NFL players, just having them sign their cards to make sure that we were live for our late season. Just come on, man. You, we paid you for this. You're supposed to do it. It's pretty miserable signing your name a, a huge number of times. Yes. Sign five or 10. Yeah, that's fine. But and they're talking five signing, or 10,000. <laughs> when you're signing hundreds or thousands, it is no fun. Okay. Yeah. I, I got a basketball question for you. Sure. Football has established a new Pro Bowl concept. Okay. It's called flag football. Yep. Which I think is a joke. But how would that be compared to basketball's all star game? which also I think is a joke. Is there an equivalent to flag basketball or, you, or is it called just no defense? It's always no defense anyway at the all-star game. It's interesting because football has the Super Bowl, so they have their one big event. I think the all-star game is basketball's big event. That's where all the media comes out. And as you've seen the last couple of years with the structure of the game, they've changed it. For the rookies, they went the hockey route where they did America versus the world. And now they've got captains that draft their players. They've done the all-star voting before. So I think they're still trying to keep it fresh would be the nice way of saying it. I know, but it's not really <laughs> a game where you care who wins. It's like a matador defense. If somebody's going for a windmill dunk, you got to just get out of their way. Yeah, I've been fortunate enough to go to a dozen or so all-star games throughout my career both at Beckett and here. 
And I think more than anything, that weekend is about the concerts and the pop culture because they do these huge concerts before the game and the introductions are a big deal in the NBA and they have a, a halftime concert. So I think they've staked it more on pop culture than they have the actual game because nobody wants to get hurt. Nobody's going to play defense. It is cool to see all these athletes in one place, but yeah, it's not what I would call a very competitive game. Like I said, at least football is doing flag football. Is that it them raising the white flag? It's a happening because I've been to some of those and you're there and all these celebrities are there, but the game is not, I guess, why you're there. But. I can tell you, at least from my perspective, and a lot of the people being there as partners with the NBA, by the time the game rolls around, all of this stuff is already done. Everybody's already done what they were going to do over the course of the weekend. Including photos? You guys get a lot of photos then? No, we don't typically do our photos there. We have different shoots for the rookies at the beginning of the year. But for All-Star, we basically have a presence there, talk to our partners, and then we'll do signings there also. We'll bring guys over. We have a hospitality booth, and we'll set it up like a makeshift signing area, too, because we know all the guys are going to be there at the same place at the same time. So it's all about the autographs, Dr. Beckett. The pecking order of sets. I think autographs are number one, game use number two. And serial numbers are number three. Now, the problem is you have all those happening at the same time sometimes. Or spectacular designed inserts. Yes. Kudos to you guys for that. Yeah, I'll go those with are, you Those on are that. the four things. Are there others? No, I think those are the four things. Or super I, short prints. Or a super short print that's variation that's really unusual. Yeah, I think you hit it right there. I think there's some weird people like me out there, though, that tend to overlook a lot of those things and go for the sets. I always tell everybody, I get asked all the time what my favorite set is to open or to build. And every year it's that base brand hoops because I think it's just fun. It reminds me of the cards that I opened when I was growing up. There weren't any autographs in there. You look for the rookies, the cool photos and the variations. So for me, that's the way I tend to look at it. And then as far as in my own collection, if there's an autograph out there, I'll just go ahead and buy it just so I have it. 